Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. I am really excited to teach this because God's Word is alive, and I, I say that every time, but it's so important for us to come and remember that God's Word is alive, and every time you hear it, it comes and makes changes inside you, body, soul, and spirit, chemically, um, physically, in the sense of changing your muscles, changing your way of thinking, and I've been doing a lot of studying lately on um, neuroplasticity and just looking at the fact that always, even now, most scientists think of the brain as being a machine, but in reality, it's very malleable and it, it, it changes. And they even have people now that couldn't hear, but then they do some special um, stimulation of other brain parts and that takes over and then all of a sudden they're hearing but with a different part of the brain and they used to think okay this is the part of the brain that you hear this is the part of the brain that you remember this is part of the brain and if it's damaged then that's it but now they're realizing that no um, everything is there's so much more plasticity even in our bodies and what's interesting to me is that that's what the word says and people would say, oh, that's just crazy. You know, Kathleen, you can't memorize the word and look at the word and have it change you. And yes, you can. I mean, absolutely, yes, you can. And not only change you, but change your surroundings, change the people around you, change everything. And I'm just really excited because I think that we're on the cusp of, you know, instead of being the generation of, oh, I guess we need to, you know, learn whatever our mothers and fathers knew or whatever the generation before us knew, it's just amazing to be in the generation of learning the Bible, learning science, and having God merge those things in a way that we are finding out things that are not only life-changing, life-saving, and it's just incredible. I mean, there are scientists that are thinking that they can have people easily live till 120 and um, and beyond. And... I'm not just saying that medicine, um, not, I'm not even a big proponent of medicine, but um, I think it's amazing that science and uh, medicine and archaeology and all of these different things that are just um, always researching and finding, they're starting to agree more and more with the Bible. They may not know it, but they are. And so I just get really excited. And it helps me to be reminded that the word is true, even if we don't understand it. And people used to think the world was flat. And they were convinced that it was flat. And if you even said something that was against what they believed, I mean, they would put people to death for trying to have a different theory. And so, you know, we feel the same way. Sometimes the word will say something. And then if we do it or believe it, it's almost like we're crazy because... Other Christians don't really grab that and believe that. They just say, oh, well, you know, God doesn't do that anymore. Or we don't talk about that because that verse is very confusing. It's better just to everything you read, like a little child, just say, okay, that's true. Okay, that's true. That's true. That's true. And if your circumstances, my circumstances, aren't lining up with the word, then my circumstances have to change. And I want to know God what do I do to get in line with you so that I could live in your kingdom of heaven 
on this earth. And I, I am so excited. I've really been changed by this. I mean, I've had more peace in the last couple of weeks than I've had in a long, long time. And peace that surpasses all understanding. Last Sunday, we talked about after you're born again, after you receive Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, then literally you become a new creature on the inside. And it's very exciting, and it's the most important decision you could ever make. And what happens then is so many things, but one of the things that happens is John 14, 1 through 4, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. So we know that Jesus is the one preparing the place for us in heaven, in the kingdom of God. But we talked about last week, we are responsible for preparing our place here on earth. We're responsible for how we build our house, where we build our house. That's up to us, not up to Jesus. And that's why a lot of Christians are like, well, I don't understand why God is doing this in my life or I don't understand why I'm not, you know, growing in my faith like so-and-so. Well, that's because God doesn't just grow your faith. Your faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God as it says in Romans but it also comes from praying it comes from being with Christians it comes from a desire it comes from so many things and and with me I'm so word 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 you know you talk to different people and different teachers have different ways but I just believe the word is life-changing and you grow the more you see the word and get excited and it hits your spirit and you just grow and there you begin to prepare a place um, on this earth that that is your place of peace it is your place of joy it is your place with god where you are protected and you are loved and god does amazing miraculous things and and yet we can leave that place we can leave that place get out from under his protection get out from under the peace and if you've ever been in that place and you leave that place you can't wait to get back because you know that the peace is gone, the love is gone, the joy is gone, and what happened? Well, somehow, some way, I walked away. And usually it's when I'm in disobedience. But we're not talking about that today. We're talking about something else I'm just reviewing. We talked about in James 1.22 that it says to be doers of the word, not just hearers. Because hearing and not doing, James says you're just deceiving yourself. And, and that is pretty powerful you go to church and you hear the word, hear the word, hear the word, and you don't do the word, or you read the word, read the word, read the word, and you don't do the word, you're just deceiving yourself. You know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, and um, anyway, I try to be careful because our community is so small, but they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard that, I've heard that, I've heard that, oh, yeah, I've heard that. I said, yeah, but it doesn't count unless you're doing it. And that's kind of a poignant statement, and that person wasn't, like, real excited I said that, but... I meant it not as an insult, but if you're not doing it, it's not integrated into your life. If you're not doing it, it's not going to change your life. So to build our house on the rock of Jesus Christ, like we've been talking about, instead of on sand, to build your house in a place, your place on this earth, is to hear and do. So we've been talking about hear and do. Hear the word, do the word. Read the word, do the word. And self-deception is probably the most um, poisonous thing that you could have because um, the more you do it, the more deeply you are involved in, in just lying to yourself. 
And um, I don't want to be there. I want to be at a place with God where he can speak truth to me and I can hear him and, and I can live in truth and I can be honest with myself. Hear and do. Matthew 7, 24 says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so we want to hear and do. We talked last week, just a quick, quick review, about how we want to hear and do as sheep, that Jesus referred to us as sheep, and that sheep follow the um, shepherd, that sheep listen to the shepherd. They don't question the shepherd. They don't um, break up into different groups and have one, you know, sheep going one way and sheep going another way. Sheep don't try to understand. They're really not even very smart animals. <laughs> Any of you who've ever raised sheep, I know one person in this room has, but they're really not. And they, they literally need the shepherd. They depend on the shepherd. And they don't try to um, even think about what he's doing or why he's doing it. They just know that he's going to provide for their needs. It's total trust. And we talked last week, too, about God said sheep. He said be as sheep. He didn't say be as cats, you know or dogs, or elephants, or giraffes, but especially cats, because we know how cats are, and I did that last week. I'm going to do that again. But we're supposed to also be like little children, and that's where we are today, that we are to be like little children. You know, when the Bible says, hear and do, build your house on the rock means hear and do, hear and do, hear and do. That's so simple. Hear and do. Read the Bible and do it. (laughs) Go to the class and hear and do it. That means that I can't come here and talk about love and talk about sacrifice, and love is always a sacrifice. And then Lacey says today, hey, I'm going to watch such and such upstairs. And I say, but you told me you were going to help me with the flower bed. And he says, well, I'm not. I'm going to watch such and such. And and I throw a fit and stomp off and um, just uh, refuse to fix his supper. And I can't do that. But that's what a lot of people do, you understand? Because I had a right for him to uh, help me with the flower bed because he said he already would, and of course I'm right. Of course you call the people on the phone that you know will already agree with you, right? You know, you don't call the people that you know aren't going to agree with you. You call the people that are going to verify that you are right. See, that's not hearing and doing. That's deceiving yourself. And, and self-deception, I think that we, we all need to leave that place so that we can go on and follow the shepherd. Hear and do is so simple, but it's a lot easier if you do it as a sheep and you do it as little children. And Jesus calls us little children. And in Matthew 18, it says, verse 1, At that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child to him and set him in the midst of them and said, I surely say to you, unless you are converted, and converted means that Greek word that means to turn, to change your mind. Unless you change your mind and become like a little child, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You know, hear and do, that sounds great until you try to hear and do as an adult. You try to hear and do with your rational mind, your analytical mind, and, and um, 
trying to get with people, you know, why is God doing this? You know, something bad happens in the community. Everybody gathers around that person and goes, I can just really see what God's doing with this. They're gonna, this is going to happen and that and that. No, you don't know. I don't know. We just need to hear and do whatever God says for us to hear and, and do. And keep believing him. And have that faith of Abraham and Sarah when they continued to believe God. And it's action. Faith is action. That's why hear and do is faith. Because faith is not hear and kind of believe in your heart, but don't do anything. And if we do that, we're deceiving ourselves. So here, this verse in Matthew says, Jesus says, humble yourself as a little child. If, if we don't humble ourselves when we're trying to hear and do, if we don't go before God and say, you know, God, if, if you don't help me, this, I'm going to be really in trouble. If we don't say, God, you're the creator and I am just the creation and I need to be more like you and I, I need your help or forgive me for this, forgive me for that. If we don't go to him in humility, then God sets himself against the proud, the word says, but he gives grace to the humble. And that word grace means power and help and favor, things that you couldn't get on your own, you know? So I think, why do I ever try to do anything without grace? Doing things with God's grace and doing things without God's grace is tremendously different, you know? I've tried to talk to insurance companies with God's grace and without God's grace, and I'm totally serious. We need to do it in everything we do, hear and do, and pray before we do something. God, I need your grace. I need your help. I just humble myself before you right now and ask for that. So little children are humble. They are. They, they all, they're very truthful. And, and the reason I, I looked at this in Matthew 8, and I thought, isn't it interesting that God said, be like little children? And the Bible emphasizes little. Even in your Bible, if you look at Matthew 18, a lot of times little will be in italics, italicized. Is it italicized in anybody's Bible? It was in mine. Why is God saying little, though? All your Bibles say little? Okay, they do. Because little children are different than just children. Because we, after a while as adults, we teach children, you know, be afraid, worry, be nervous. We teach them all those good things. They aren't born that way. I mean, you'll see little babies just crawl into dark rooms and out of dark rooms. Little children, be as little children where all they need is is the, the father. All they need is care. All they need is mom and dad. They trust. Little, little children. Convert your mind. When this word, we see it convert in the Greek, it says to turn oneself from one's course of conduct, to change one's mind. Literally, convert means to turn oneself from one's course of conduct. We need our minds converted in a lot of ways. We need a lot of neuroplasticity. And Jesus can do that. He can do that quickly. You know, sometimes, I mean, I'm sure there's good counselors, there's great psychiatrists, psychologists, but I think they can, yeah, help you and convert you, but what about praying and just seeing if God could just do it in a second? You know, sometimes we think things have to be hard and we think they have to be this way, but what about just saying, hey, God, you know what? You can do anything and I just believe you and I'm just a little child and that's what little children do. They just believe. They're not cynical adults. 
And, and they receive forgiveness so quickly, by the way. I don't know why. This is not in my notes. But to be as a little child, to humble yourself before God and to be like a little child, you cannot refrain from receiving forgiveness. You can't be one of those people that does stuff and, and then you, you have to kind of put yourself in time out for a couple of months. You receive forgiveness right away. After one of my children would get in trouble, especially when they were little, I mean, seconds later, boom, they were outside to go play. It's only as older children, teenagers, and adults that we learn um, the art of sulking and seething and, and just kind of staying in that mood. Little children get over it and they go on. And, and wouldn't it be great now to just learn, just get over it and go on and I'm sorry and I messed again, you know, and you could sing Britney Spears' song, Oops, I Did It Again or something. Sorry, that was bad. Humble yourself. Convert your mind. I love, of course, Romans 12 too. Not to be conformed to this world, but treat transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove the will of God, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And that is conversion. But how? How are you transformed? By the renewing of your mind. But how? is through the Word of God. Lacey takes five-second showers. I really don't know how he does it. He does it. It is amazing. It is absolutely amazing. And he, he is in there, and then before I even know it, he's, he's out. And then why men dry off so roughly. It like take, could take your skin off. It's like, you know, just. And then, of course, I take a really long bath, and I dry off like this, you know. But that, y'all probably didn't need to know that. But I just think it's interesting that if you can get something in your mind, I want you not to take a shower with the Word. I want you to take a bath. I want you to soak in it. I want you to soak and soak and soak. Meditate in the Word. That word meditate is not bad. It came from the Bible. It came from God. It's distorted by the enemy. You know, the enemy, Satan and evil, never makes up anything, just distorts it. That's why sex, which is supposed to be beautiful, has totally been distorted. He doesn't create anything. He's not the creator. He's just simply the deceiver and the distorter. And so meditate is a good word. It's a really good word, and that's something that we need to be doing with the Word. We need to keep the Word in our ears, eyes, heart, and mouth. Those are all like the gates to our heart, of course. Our ears, eyes, heart, and mouth. Keep the Word there. Proverbs 4, 20 and 22, another one of my favorite scriptures, says, My son, give attention to my Word. Don't let it depart from your eyes, but keep it in the midst of your heart, for it will be life to those that find it and health to all their flesh. Life, health, keep it in your eyes, keep it in your heart. And then Joshua 1.8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from thy mouth, but you should meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I love the King James. Some people didn't. Really don't like it as much as I do, but um, I love it because I can look up the Greek and the Hebrew a lot easier. But basically it's saying, if you want to have prosperity and success, man, look, sir, if you want to have a life, ma'am or sir, 
of prosperity and success, not only meditate on the Word, but don't let it depart from your mouth. What does that mean? That means you should be speaking Scriptures all the time. All the time, speaking them to your kids. I mean, that's what I... I, I, and, And this may be different than the way you grew up. It's different than the way I grew up. But... And you may say, well, my kids are already gone. Well, what about your grandchildren, you know? We need to be speaking the word to them. Not just our words, but words that have power. And it says in Joshua 1.8, if you want to have good success, if you want to have prosperity, if you want to have the life that God would have for you, don't let the word depart from your mouth. That means even when you don't feel like it. I mean, even when you don't feel like it. This is the day the Lord has made, and I'm going to be glad and rejoice in it. I may not feel like it. It'd be easier to just go... And gosh, I'd like to do a whole lesson sometimes on on grumbling and complaining, but I don't want to be that convicted right now, so I've been kind of delaying that. But I've been really convicted lately about grumbling and complaining because the board says that it lets in the destroyer, and that's pretty scary because we don't think it's very serious and God says yes it is I told you it was decide now to hear and do before tribulations come John 16:33 says these things I have spoken that in me in the kingdom of heaven and staying under my protection and, and building your house on the rock and hearing and doing you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but take courage I have overcome the world I mean, that's what's so great about being a Christian is we're on the winning side. We don't have to take guesses and and bet and try to figure out, well, which side, you know, evil or good? I don't really know. We're on the winning side. We just have this life right now that's difficult and can be difficult. But God has already overcome the world. Jesus said he has. And, And we are to be able to have peace in this world. And so this morning, if you don't have any peace, I would say, well, what, where are you? Where did you build your house? Are you in the kingdom or are you in the world? Because the second I slide into the world, I lose my peace. And it's a minute-by-minute decision. It's not a one-time decision. People think that it's a one-time decision, and that's why they come and, and every time you have an altar call or every time you ask, does anyone have Jesus and receive him as their Lord and Savior, they come up again because they have slipped out of the kingdom of heaven and they don't know they can come back under the cover. And so they think, oh, I just need to receive them again, you know. It's a minute-by-minute decision to stay in God's Word, to keep it in your mouth, to not grumble, to believe Him, to be a child and to be, let Him be your shepherd. It's a minute-by-minute, second-by-second decision We're to hear and do and follow when we don't understand. John thirteen seven. It's like this scripture that I, it's like I've never read it before. You ever read that scripture and think, I have never read the scripture. It just got put in there. And this is one of those scriptures. John thirteen seven. Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing but later you will understand. That is such an amazing thing that Jesus has been saying to me. You do not realize now what I'm doing, 
but later you will understand. You know, I don't have to guess that. I have God saying that. And that is such a reassuring scripture because there's so many things in my life that I didn't realize what God was doing and then now I understand. But there's other things that I'm in right now and I'm sure you're in right now. There's situations and circumstances in your life that you're going through right now and you're thinking, what is God doing? What is he doing? God, what are you doing? Why won't you answer me? And then you hit a brass heaven every time you pray. You don't get an answer. But see, the word answers for us and says, you know, you don't understand what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. Right now you don't know, but later you'll understand. And we need to trust that. And we also need to know what's God and what's not God, because if it's something that's killing and stealing and destroying, it's not God doing it. So we need to be very aware of who God is and what his character is so that we don't blame God for things that are the enemy. But sometimes we think, God, why don't you intervene? Why don't you rescue? Why don't you do a miracle? You don't understand what I'm doing, but later you will understand. You don't know what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. I don't know what God's doing. Why doesn't he help that person? Why doesn't he help that family? Why doesn't he... We don't understand, but later we will. But we need to know that that is okay, that we can trust that, and that is a child. We tell our children all the time, do this and don't do that. Why? You know what? You don't understand right now. It's okay, but later you will. Have you ever told your children that? God says that to us as well. He says it to me all the time. I had years of writing these meditations, and then... I was writing them for the church every Sunday for like three years, and I thought, what is God doing with these, you know? The church still has them. They could still use them anytime they wanted, but God was doing amazing things with those meditations. Most of them were written in doctor's offices, so I wasn't really happy where I was, so I would just pour everything into the Word so that I could just be in my own little kingdom while I was at MD Anderson, or I could just be in my own little kingdom when I was at the orthopedic surgeon. And, and I just... Me and my little kingdom go everywhere. We go to the grocery store. We go, we go to church. We, everywhere we go. And what's amazing is when you build your house on the rock and you have this kingdom, people that come up to you and talk to you, they enter this kingdom, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, I like being here. And then sometimes they don't even want to leave, you know, because you can be a light on the hill that, that gives out truth and hope and love and, and says Jesus is your living hope. And there's hope for everything, and he does miracles, and he brings people together, and he sets us in families, and he does all these things that you can't even imagine. Or you can live your own life. No, I think I'll take God's plan. Thank you. He's got a good plan, and my plan, um, most of the time when I've tried to make my plan work, I've been very frustrated. Is that a word you use often? Frustrated, frustrated. Then are you working your plan or God's plan? Are you a child? Or are you an adult? Are you a sheep or are you a cat? So years of writing this meditation and now God, through really a group of men, um, long story, kind of pushed Lacey out of, out of the nest. And about three years ago, we started um, Kathleen. Witten Ministries, and those meditations go every Monday 
to people's offices, and I've had CEOs of companies say that they Xerox it for their whole office, and it's like their staff meeting thing that they hand out, and I'm just amazed, and where they've gone, and people from other countries saying, I love these, and and I'm thinking, I wrote those in doctor's offices in my little kingdom in a place I didn't want to be. You don't know now, but later you'll understand. See, God is so good. I love this um, book my mom gave me called Red Sea Rules. It's really, really good. And it's by William Cowper. And there's one part I was going to read you. Um, I'm sorry, it's not by William Cowper. It's by Robert Morgan. But there is an excerpt about William Cowper, who was an English poet who wrote the hymn, God Moves in Mysterious Ways. William Cowper, the English poet who wrote the hymn, God Moves in Mysterious Ways, struggled all his life with melancholy. According to Ernest Umeran's living stories of famous hymns, Cowper wrote this hymn following a period of near-suicidal depression. Calling for a carriage, Cowper ordered the driver to take him to the Ouse River, three miles away, where he planned to kill himself. The driver, sensing the state of his passenger, breathed a prayer of thanks when dense fog enveloped the area and he purposely lost his way in the fog, jogging up one road and down another as Cowper fell into a deep sleep. Several hours passed and the driver going in circles let his passenger rest and finally he returned Cowper to his home. We're back home, Cowper said. How, how is that? Got lost in the fog, sir. Sorry. Cowper paid his fare and went inside and pondered how he'd been spared from self-destruction by the mercy of God. That same evening in 1774, Cowper, aged 43, wrote this autobiographical hymn. And I know you want me to sing it, but I'm not. Um, what? Such a laugh or something. God moves in mysterious ways, he, he, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. You fearful saints, fresh courage take, the clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Judge not the Lord by feeble sense, but trust him for his grace. Behind a frowning providence he hides his smiling face. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter and he will make it plain. You just have to hear and do and trust and hear and do and trust. You know, there are, there are some Christians that so struggle with what this Christian struggled with um, that they think, why am I? still alive you know what can God do with my life why what what and we have to trust but getting in the word can change even the most depressed person into the most joyous person because I believe that everything in us can be changed by our creator if he created us he can change us (laughs) if he created us in the in the blink of an eye the things that we thought we were going to have to work on and go see a therapist and pay all our money, he can change. And I'm not saying we shouldn't go see a therapist, and I'm not saying we shouldn't use everything we can medically to help whatever we need to do, but as long as it's all on the same side as God. But, gosh, why don't we just trust God for more? 
and just say, I, I humble myself before you can do anything. I trust you. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. And that's such a great scripture because it's saying that even the righteous, even those that are in the right place with God, that really have their hearts right, that have received Jesus Christ as their Lord, that are called God's righteousness in Christ Jesus, doesn't mean you're perfect, it doesn't mean you haven't sinned, but you are still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because you have Jesus inside you. And when God looks down at you, he says, that's my righteous child because he sees Jesus, not you. See, we forget that. But I love that scripture because sometimes if you're being afflicted, you think, what did I do? And it says, even the righteous have afflictions, but the Lord God delivers him out of them all. And so I can pray and say, God, I know you're going to deliver me out of this because he says he delivers us out of them all. He doesn't say, thank God, he delivers them out of most, um, but some not. He says all. So if God says all, then I can go for all. I can pray for all. God's promises enable us to live in the kingdom of heaven. Second Peter 1.4 says, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate, be partakers in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world. We can be partakers in the divine nature of God because of His precious promises. And I'm going to have to kind of wind it up there because there's so much to say about that that I'm not going to be able to get to it. But what just keeps coming in my heart that is not really something I planned at all is forgive yourself. Forgive yourself because God says that you're forgiven. And don't look at yourself as a Christian trying to get better and trying to be better But see yourself the way God sees you, as his righteousness in Christ Jesus. He sees Jesus in you. That's why you're going to be in heaven. He sees Jesus in you. That's why you can call upon your Father at any time. You don't have a great relationship with God and then a not so great. He doesn't love you sometimes and then not love you sometimes. And we feel that way because people make us feel that way. You're doing good, so I like you. You're not doing good, so I'm going to have I'm going to be passive aggressive against you. You know, I said I forgave you, but you've got to have you got to give me some distance now, or you need to give me a few gifts or something, or make up for it. You're just forgiven. You're loved, and I just pray that the Lord of all hope would fill you with truth and love this morning, and you would walk out and know. He can do all things. Not I can do all things. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, but He can do all things. He can give you joy in the midst of turmoil. He can give you healing in the midst of impossible situations. He can. He can. And He wants to. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord God delivers Him out of them all. So it's not, God, if it's your will, please deliver me out of this affliction. It's, God, thank you that you're going to deliver me out of this affliction because you deliver us out of them all. And just give me strength while I'm still there. But I'm really open for you to deliver me right now. Really, I am. That's usually my prayer.
And then when something happens, especially to someone you love, can you just say, like it says that Jesus said, you know, God, I don't know what you're doing or why you haven't done what I thought you should do. I gave you a lot of suggestions. You didn't take them. And I don't understand now, but later I will understand. Just trust him as a child. Heavenly Father, thank you for your truth and your word and your joy and your goodness. Father, I just lift up the concerns that are in this room because I know you don't need us to to sort them like laundry. You don't you don't need us to say these are the whites and these are the darks and here it is and one, two, three, four. You just see it all. You see it all. You know it all. You know what we don't know. And God, I ask that you would heal what we don't know. Ask that you would help the self-deceived to understand that if they hear but they don't do, they're self-deceived and then they wonder why they're self-deceived. Father, I ask that you would help the person that has a hard time being a little child, that that you would bring her or, or him to, to their knees and that they would purposely kneel before their bed as soon as they can and just say, God, change me, convert me, change my mind and my ways. I want to live in the kingdom of heaven on this earth. I want to have joy. I want to have the peace that surpasses all understanding and I want to be in a place where you can do anything you want in me and through me. I want to hear, well done, good faith. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.